Right. Should be all ready. Mm-hmm. Let me know when you are. Yep. All right. I'm ready if you want me to ask. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. All right. So, yeah, obviously, like, I got to start it off here. Um, So, yesterday I was talking to you and about Aaron Henry. Um, I was teasing on my Instagram, like, there's a player maybe going to test the waters. But so you're hearing the same thing I am, too, that he obviously hasn't made a decision yet, but there's a chance you can go test the waters. Yeah, and I mean, I think everybody kind of expects that now. Um, when you are a sophomore and you've got that, you know, or a freshman, whatever the, the case may be, I mean, the the ability to go and work out for NBA scouts, I mean, you saw it with Nick Ward, you find out where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, where, where teams perceive you might be this year, where you might be in a year if you work on those things, and you kind of make that assessment off that. Um, I think it's smart. I think it's a smart business sense for these kids that, you know, you have the option to come back to college. You have the ability to retain that year now because of all the NCAA rules changes, um, which I think is, I mean, if you can go through that process, any type of, any type of evaluation you can get will be beneficial. Now, what do I think about Aaron Henry's pro future? I mean, he's got some things he's got to work on. He's got to work on his mechanics and his jump shot. I think he's farther ahead maybe than it looks sometimes, but, you know, how it plays in, in college. I mean, for a six, six guy, he had his shot uh, deflected and, and altered a little more than you would want. Uh, and I think you, they're, they're going to tell him a lot of the things that Tom Izzo has been saying. You got to be more aggressive. You got to attack the rim. You got to get into the, the, the dead zone there in, in the paint. And, and that's where you're at your best. I mean, those last, maybe last month of the season, you know, you saw him penetrating again. And I thought that he had a, uh, I mean, he had a big hand in the resurgence of Rocket Watts down the stretch in that defenses were, were mm-hmm. collapsing on him and Cassius Winston as they drove. And that's freed up Watts. Um, so, I, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of that in rebounding as well. I think that that's the big thing that Aaron Henry is missing right now, um, the ability to consistently mm-hmm. crash the boards. And, you know, if you're, if you're that kind of wing player, the next level you got to be able to do that i mean wing a two especially his size i mean you got to be able to crash the boards and i you know i think ultimately what happens is you know he'll he'll go through and get the evaluations which is again smart and figure out where you're at and he'll i would i would think that he could come back but then again if you have one team that likes you um and or two teams that like you and tell you, yeah, we're, we we see you being a, a drafted player uh, among the the sixty picks. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> in, in normal years, you would say, well, maybe it's worth a shot. But this year, I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many parameters that could change between now and well, whenever the draft is. I mean, it's supposed to be June 25th, but it could be much later. Um, could be even pushed back another year. We we just don't know right now where the 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 future with everything that's going on with the the coronavirus. We just don't know what what, what and where the future of sports are going to be for for a guy like him, for a guy like Josh Langford. Um, but yeah, um, but you know, for Henry in particular, though, I, I think it's you, you have to go through the process and and hear he, he is an input kind of guy. You know, when when Tom is those in his ear, you see him elevate you know maybe he needs to hear some of those same things from another voice and, and i think that he's also been a, i mean he's a committed guy that 
you know, he works on his, his deficiencies. And I think that hearing from someone else in the pro realm will, would help him and, and benefit him for going into a junior season. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that like, not that worries me, but like I was telling you, like I feel like it could be a Jordan Poole situation where I don't know, like he's maybe believes in college. He's not going to be playing to the best of his abilities in the system. And where like, you said one team likes you like no one thought Jordan Poole would be a first rounder, but the Warriors needed a shooter and they picked him. That's what worries me. If he tests the process, like not worries me, but like, you know, that can go in the MB, like actually declare and stay in the draft. But I just don't know why. Um, not like his shot still hasn't got there. Like, I don't know. I mean, you're with, you're around him more than I am, but like in practice is like, is he always on about the shot? Or no, like, not really. I, I think he's a, he, he's a, a good listener. I think you've seen that on a number of different occasions, maybe not in that Bradley game. I think that may have been the one time where he wasn't necessarily listening and kind of talking through things that he needed to keep his mouth shut and listen for once. But for the most part, I think the kid is a, a very good listener. And I think he, he takes things to heart. I think he processes things really well. Um, I, I think it's a little different than the Jordan Poole situation in that respect in that, this is a kid who accepts coaching and wants coaching and, and uses it to enhance his game. I think he was adamant about that, you know, after that situation in the NCAA tournament last year. <clears throat> and you saw it elevated game, and he understands that. I think his family understands that. And, you know, in the times that I've talked to his father, I mean, he's actually demanded uh, Izzo to be that way with Aaron because um, he understands Aaron. I think he, you know, and I think Tom understands Aaron now too, because he said that he's a guy that needs push. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I think that's maybe a little different thing. And, and, and if you talk to Aaron, Aaron's a guy that knows he needs push sometimes too, where, where I think that's, yeah. you know, that's not someone to me that's saying I can be this somewhere else. I think it's, I he's got the mindset of I can be, I want to be the best player I can be. How do I get there? And how do I use that mm-hmm. coaching? And how do I take the, the coaching and, and process and input it into my own game? I think that I think he's a, a little different kind of a cat than that. Um, you know, that Ben Davis program that he came from is very regimented, very strict. Whereas Pool, I think didn't Pool come out of the La Lumiere program, which was kind of, kind of yeah. more of a you know, the all-star collective type deal. So, you know, I think there's a little difference in that. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. some of it is, is just, you know, temporary. But I, I, do, I think from – I don't think it's necessarily a bad comparison in terms of abilities and game. Um, you know, I just think it's a – I think just from the mentality side, I think Aaron Henry maybe has a different feel and view than, than maybe Poole did a year ago. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I I remember that um he played with Jaron Jackson yeah. too and yeah, they were very good. But um Tiger yeah, Campbell too. I mean, really you know, good. they 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 had yeah. a lot of talent on that team. Um and, and I think when you get into that situation, you know, you, you know, Aaron Henry played at Ben Davis and I mean, it's not like Ben Davis is deficient in talent. I mean, that's one of the best Indianapolis programs in the state of Indiana historically. Um and, you know, but it's a demanding program as well that, you know, you have to kind of, you know, the way that he played in high school is he was the alpha. He's got to find that at the next level. I think you saw Rocket Watts display that at times. Um, and I think there were points when Aaron Henry often 
you know, even talking to him, you know, there was uh, when when Winston and Tillman uh, in the winter, uh, I think it was probably like in December, or January sometime they were they were playing that that two man game so well. And Aaron Henry was just like, hey, I just kind of want to step back and watch them and let them do their thing. Well, that's not necessarily that's not going to help you at the next level. You got to you got to have some alpha yeah. in you. And he started to show that down the stretch a little bit. He wasn't always looking to pass or get off the ball. I mean, he was looking for the ball a lot more, I think, later in the season and, and still making pretty good decisions. I mean, he didn't have – he only averaged, I think, like two turnovers a game. He, got, he ran the point at times, uh, brought the ball up. Uh, but when he gets into the lane and, and gets into the crease, you know, he's, he's a difference maker. He, you know, he's a difference maker defensively. You know, all those things are there for him, but – it's putting it together in a consistent package that I I think that he needs to really do a lot better. Yeah, I agree. And that's to the point where me and you are just like, you know, he should test the process, but who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, but it's, it's almost a, a a no brainer for anyone that's got the potential to work out for pro scouts and get feedback. You have to do that. I think it, I think it's almost part of the educational process for a basketball player now, more so than than even just testing the draft waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to that point, that brings up Xavier Tillman, who already obviously declared and didn't hire an agent. But if they're going to do what I was thinking, how I don't know if you saw that report where since they can't go to the combine and stuff, they're going to do like FaceTime, Skype interviews, and you know, like draft the players off. You know, like if they like him talking and on the phone and stuff. And I was thinking, like, obviously, um, Tillman's a very good spokesman, so that would definitely benefit him. But do you see him staying in the draft, or you're not really? I don't know. I mean, I think that there's, there's, uh, to me, I I see his situation as completely different than anybody who I've covered, and really, uh, probably that you know you've seen in this position from a historical standpoint at Michigan State as well as maybe in the draft. I mean, this is a guy that's married with two kids. I mean, you don't find many 21-year-olds in that respect, let alone who are second-team academic All-Americans, let alone who's a Big Ten defensive player there. I mean, there's a lot of elements there that that kind of you, you look at and you say, what direction does he go? I mean, you know, getting the degree I think is important. I, I think that's that's a big thing. I know that, that he's put in a lot of effort and work towards that. Um but at the same point, diapers aren't cheap. I can tell you that diapers aren't cheap for for yeah. multiple kids, and neither is food. <laughs> I mean, you know, as in, you know, when you're a, a college athlete, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're doing well enough that they can handle it. But I mean, it's you know, you're you're talking about the potential for for maybe not generational wealth, but comfortable living and good life for your children um you know that that's that's a whole different ball game um in terms of making this decision rather than maybe where Aaron Henry is thinking of 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 his game first and foremost I think I think that you know if you're a father like Xavier Tillman um you got to think what's best for my family as well as my game so that, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I, I, I personally, and this is just from from being a father of young children and and kind of seeing uh, how that is, and, and I've had conversations with him about a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, it's a, I think it's a, it's a challenge. Plus, 
The other thing to keep in mind too is, um, and I think from the other end of this, um, yes, you want to provide for your family, all these things, but the pro lifestyle is 42 games on the road. You're talking being away, um, or excuse me, 41 games on the road, and you're, you're going to be away from home for sometimes a week plus at a time. Uh, it, it's, yeah. you know, I don't know what, I, I don't know which lifestyle is better fit, uh, you know, because when you're in class, when you're doing uh, all the extra work that goes with being a college basketball player, that takes a lot of that time away. Whereas even though you have those long road trips, even though you're going to be away for stretches, um, you know, basketball's a job. We talked to any of these guys. I mean, it's, you know, the, there's less hanging out when you become a pro player. There's, there's, you know, you, 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 that's why you see guys have their own entourage because they don't necessarily hang out with all their teammates. You know, it's business, it's, it's work. I mean, yeah. and, you know, for, for a guy like Tillman, that could be going home at night and, you know, spending more time with his family. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think ultimately though, when you get, it, when he gets his grade, um, when when he hears the avals from from scouts and GMs, um, and especially I think that he's a guy that down the stretch defensively, with what he did uh, against the better players with Luca Garza and Stick Smith and and you know Caleb West and all the top end big guys that he faced and shut down down the stretch. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to get a good evaluation. Um, he handles the ball well. He, you know, you, you mentioned about just doing the the interviews process. If it ends up just being a Skype type interview, and you know, he, he's he's a very smart guy. He's a very he's very yeah. intelligent. He's he's very well. He communicates well, and I think when especially being mm-hmm. a big who can communicate, handle the rock, um, make good decisions and passes for the most part. Um, develop an outside shot i think he's he's got a chance to to be that back end of the first round high second round type pick that you know you got to think about it you you, it's going to be a hard thought process i would imagine for him yeah absolutely um i've i've said the same thing about that you said about the you know non-benefits with not seeing your family for a while and all that great stuff but the one point i don't understand why and not you but like how people are saying he wants that college degree like, he's only got one – this is where I, like, disagree with people that say he's going to come back because he's got – um he wants that degree. Like, he only has one year, and like you mentioned, he's all academic and all that. I'm pretty sure he'd be able to finish that online while doing, like, some – It's, 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 it's possible. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know where his credits stand right now. Um, You know, um, obviously those guys take classes in the summer as well because they need to to for not just retain eligibility but – but because they have to lighten the load during the season, um, you know, they, they kind of make that up in the summer semesters. But who knows where the summer semesters are? I mean, who knows what this semester is? I mean, I would imagine that it's going to help that, that the online classes are, are able to be there. But are they going to do that again? I mean, there's so many things that, you know, I, know. That, I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> sometimes tough. And, and, and sometimes one of the things that I don't like about our job in the, in the sports realm is that we, we do, we do base too much on, on speculation and, you know, projections and things like that rather than, um, you know, hard data. And, uh, you know, even, even sometimes the hard data doesn't really, you know, as much as I, I think analytics has a place, 
Um, you know, the unpredictability of sports is, is what makes March Madness and the the playoffs and everything else. That's what makes sports so enjoyable. That's why yeah, I can't sit and watch games that I already know the outcome of because exactly. I know this. So, exactly. I mean, trying to project out what's going to happen on the academic side and the, the NBA draft or the NFL draft, or is there going to be a season? Is there going to be a league? I, I mean, I, it's, there's so much unknown that it's, it's kind of like, well, geez, who knows? But, but anyways, exactly. back to Tillman, um, you know, yeah, he could do that. Um, but it is harder uh, from what I've heard from people. It's harder to come back when you've, when you stepped away from it. So, you know, it's, yeah. it, it'll be interesting. I, I think, I think that's only one facet of, of the decision-making mm-hmm. process. I think, I, to me, I think the family component is the bigger issue. And the fact of the matter is, is a, as a basketball player, your lifespan uh, as a professional um, to make that money is pretty limited. So if you're 21 years old and you mm-hmm. can get a, a 10-year NBA career um, and maybe a couple years overseas here or there, um, you can make good money. Of course, then again, who knows what's going to happen overseas. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, like I was, that's that you mentioned overseas. The next question I was going to ask was about, you know, recruiting, because like you mentioned, who knows with Josh Langford, um, Tillman, and then even Aaron Henry, if he does declare. So where do you think we stand with Kareem Maine and some of the grad transfers, just to name a few, like Bryce Aiken, um, Carlick Jones announced today that Michigan State reached out and Amari Hardy from UNLV. Yeah. It's, it's again, interesting times because I think that, you know, if you look at this, the scholarship chart, I believe they only have assuming Josh Langford doesn't come back one scholarship still to give, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Tillman leaves. That makes two Um, Langford decides to come back. That makes one Uh, Aaron Henry leaves. That's two. I mean, other guys decide to transfer out of the program. There could be things there. So, you know, there's a lot of, permutations that can happen uh there but I, I, to me and this is this is the thing i mean you know you look at at tom Izzo's transfer history i mean there's not very many i mean you obviously have joey house no. sitting and waiting um you had the the uh, braden burke which was a different type of transfer um you know he's mm-hmm. i don't believe he's on ben scholarship Car- ben carter was a grad transfer and uh yeah. brandon wood um, from Valpo was a grad transfer, but I mean, there's the, the number of guys who have transferred into this program, Bryn Forbes, um, you know, th- there's, yeah. there's a small number, um, you know, you don't usually see guys transfer up the high majors, but obviously the grad transfer situation that has kind of percolated over the last half decade to a decade has, has changed some of that. Um, I think Maine to me though, is, you know, if you're talking about uh, trying to make a push, um, you know, he, he, here's a kid who's got international ability. He's, he's, uh, he's plays more one, um, which is, I think where the position of need is right now. Um, and you know, if you're Tom Izzo, do you want to go with bringing in a veteran like an Aiken, uh, you know, or, uh, any other point guards? I mean, I think, I don't necessarily think you need a, a, an Amari Hardy. I think he's less, he's not necessarily to me what this team needs right now. I mean, when he lost Jalen Terry, uh, when he decommitted, yeah. that there's a need for ball handlers. You got to replace Cassius Winston. You saw what Rocket Watts could do <clears throat> in a, in a mm-hmm. backup role. Do you, 
is what's the philosophy going to be moving forward? Are you going to play with him being your your primary point guard? Um, do you want uh, in talking to Kareem Maine's high school coach, you could see he said he could see those two kind of guys, you know, being you know one two kind of guys, um, you know, where mm-hmm. where both of them have ball handling duties and responsibility and can, I mean, they're both north and south attackers. Um, so yeah. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really sure which direction things will go. I mean, you know, not having the, the campus visits right now is, is difficult. Um, you know, that that adds a layer of complexity for all these kids. I mean, no one, I don't think, I don't think anyone wants to go sight unseen to a place. And f- frankly, I mean, with the NCAA putting a moratorium on signing letters of intent, I mean, this is going to put a halt to a lot of this stuff anyways until it actually comes to fruition. So, um, you know, they can make a commitment at this point, but they can't put it in paper. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the big thing. And, you know, once again, back to the uncertainty, what happens over the course of the next few months and, you know, a guy like Maine, you know, I think we, I don't know if it was, we talked about this or not, but I mean, he could decide to turn pro, he could go overseas for a year, yep. but, but then is there going to be overseas jobs to be had? I mean, are, are, are people going to be wary of, of, of taking that risk of, of going somewhere. And, and I know that like guys like Matt McCoy, like Kenny Goins, for example, is, is playing over in Italy. He's been under quarantine in his house, in his apartment, you know, Matt McQuaid, mm-hmm. same thing. He was under quarantine um, in, in Germany, but I think he, I think he was on his way back. Uh, but, but that's, I mean, that's, you know, especially that's different for a guy that's a college graduate. I mean, if you're just, you know, 19, 20 years old, right out of high school, um, or, or grade 13 or whatever it is in, in Canada. I mean, you want to, you know, do you want to risk that? Do you want to risk going overseas and doing, you know, I don't know. I, I, there, I think there's so many compelling things that yeah. still go along with, with the, the pandemic that, that are, have such a trickle down effect across sports um, and a ripple effect that we're just not going to know for months now. Uh, but I, I would still think though, that, that a couple of those guys, I mean, there's no question that they need and want and have been, Izzo even said this back in, in November when he signed A.J. Hoggard and uh, Matty Sissoko, is that they were after another guard. They wanted another point guard. So um, we'll see what happens because I, I think that, you know, that maybe they can get one. Maybe Langford decides not to play either and they can get two. Maybe there's maybe Henry goes. There's three. I mean, there's so many things that could that can really shake out and transpire. I think that that all the dominoes have to kind of fall in place and and you know play out the, the situation yeah. has to play out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And to your point about Langford, that's going to be like number one. Uh, I don't even know the word, but focus. Like if if he can play, like you're obviously they you know they're going to make room for him. But with Maine, the thing that worries me is um not worries me, but there was a lot of interviews where I read and it might've been from your article that, you know, he's still considering going to the NBA and that kind of stuff where, I mean, not that it's a bad thing, but if he came to Michigan state, it sounds like he would want to be a one. He's also older too. I think that's, that's what makes him a little different maybe than a typical one and done too, that, you know, he's, I believe he's going to be 20 here uh, in May. So, I mean, you're not necessarily talking about getting, you know, like a Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson was super young for his his freshman class. Yeah, I think he was seventeen in a couple months. I mean, uh, yeah. 
like two months. Yeah, so I mean, it's a little different when you get an older guy like that and you have him one and done. I mean, that's it's like losing almost a sophomore, you know, or a junior. Um, but I, I kind of back to the Langford situation. I mean, that to me is it, it's going to be interesting. So he had his surgery in December, right? And mm-hmm. so a year ago, when he had his surgery in February. Uh, of 2019 he didn't get cleared until late august so you'll get february march april may june july august i mean you're looking at seven months so so now you're Mm -hmm. looking on the second surgery if you follow that timetable you're talking about him not getting back on the court to get cleared to to practice until late july so he misses another summer right but then you're also Mm got to take into account the second surgery is it going to take longer to get to that point. So, uh, you know, to that, and then comes the other question, can he get to that point where he's still playing at that high a level um, where, where he's, he's able to, to have the bounce, to have the first step that he had uh, to not risk yeah. another injury, which I think is always going to be there when you've had one. I mean, just look at Russell Burr. When you've had one foot issue. They mount um, because of the, the, I think in part because of the 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 size and, and how many small bones there are in the foot. I think there's, you know, there's so much shifting and with how much you need that. I mean, that's that's your tires, you know, that's 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 your wheels. You don't want to have wheels, and that, you know, what what does he want to do with those wheels? Does he want to try and play pro? Does he want to, you know, is that are you gonna are you gonna have limited tread on your tires and and try and come back to college or would you try and use that limited tread to see if you can't get to your ultimate goal of getting to the NBA and play pro? I don't know. It's, I, you know, I would imagine it's a, it's a tough process for him. He's kind of not really talked a lot about it. Um, you know, he, he's kind of said that God will tell him and, and put it in his hands, but ultimately, uh, you know, a decision is going to have to be made, you know, and, and it's probably gonna have to be made relatively soon. But like I said, I mean, you know, from a Michigan State standpoint, um, do you, you you have the Russell Bird situation still in your mind? If you're Tom Izzo and your staff, that he he never he never became the player that they thought he could after those foot injuries that he had in high school and early in his career. You know, couldn't will that happen with Langford? Are you going to be jeopardizing his? Are you going to jeopardize? that scholarship spot again uh, when he missed the whole year this year and missed half of the previous year, um, more than half the previous year. So I really don't know. I, it's it's going to be an interesting tell. And then, then from Langford's side too, you know, do you want to risk again, if you have to go the overseas route, do you want to risk it at this point? Do you want to – I talked to Paul Davis a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about all the surgeries that he had to have during his – overseas career and how sometimes it wasn't the best medical conditions and you know that that's a factor too i mean the the care that langford would get at michigan state would probably be far better than he would for an overseas pro team um but you know where you know there's i think there's there's a lot of things that still that that will be weighed on both sides to, to see and, and maybe it's a situation where if he wants to play in college maybe he takes a grad transfer I don't know I, I think it's you know there's 
there's a lot that I think still needs to be discussed and played out, but stuff that, you know, would have, would have happened after yeah. the season, whenever that was going to happen before it ended prematurely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, Lankford, like you said, he doesn't talk much, doesn't have an Instagram. Kind of reminds me of like Kawhi Leonard, where he just doesn't say much. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that whole situation. But um, yeah, obviously, let's get into some football stuff. So this is going to be the question that comes up for a while, but it's stuff that we got to start, you know, wondering is when do you believe Michigan State's going to land their first football commit for the class of 2021? Well, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I would imagine that you'll start to see – here's the, the – again, everything's in limbo, right? Um, you know, you, you've got the inability to, to have recruits come in on visits. So, I mean, you know, that gets taken away from the staff. So, a lot of times spring practice is used to showcase what you want to do, tell recruits this is who we are here, take a look at this. Um, that's gone. I mean, that ability is going to be gone for Michigan State and for Mel Tucker. I think that um, now you've got to make the sales pitch basically like everybody else is doing business over Zoom, over Skype, over uh, the phone, email, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, how long will it take for them to get a commitment? It's, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if this is the right year to kind of weigh and balance whether it's good or bad at this point to be honest I mean, yeah you know i think you know you saw mark antonio um last year i think i feel like the 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 class the incoming class this fall took a while for for it to build momentum and, and get more guys and get get guys committed but you know once they do once they did it was i feel like it was somewhere probably in like i think they got a couple guys like fincher and uh, some of the other guys early, but then, you know, once they started getting guys to commit, it would be like May, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but again, I mean, you know, the, the spring game is another tremendous tool that they would always have to kind of give them the game day atmosphere that's gone. Um, you know, some of these kids obviously in the 21 class have been up here for, for games, but games under Mark Antonio are probably going to be a lot different than games under Mel Tucker. So, you know, it's yeah. it's it's it, it's a weird timing for not just not just the with the pandemic, but you know, they this staff had to already start a little behind the eight ball with with when D'Antonio retired. Or, you know, the day before signing day, back on February fourth, and you know, then I think it was like an eight day window where they had to they put together the 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 committee and then got uh got mel tucker and then he had to spend most of february putting together his staff so i mean you know that's valuable time that was lost i thought you know that's on the the recruiting trail i mean uh but i I thought that it was interesting that chris kapilovich not only was he still working at the at the tower over at spartan stadium which by the way they're in the reason he's doing that is they they're the, the offices, the coaches' offices have been under renovation for, I believe, since like right after the, the season ended um, at the football mm-hmm. building. So they've kind of been displaced anyways, um, even before this. So, <laughs> you're, you know, you talk about the yeah. timing of everything kind of being not exactly optimal. But, um, you know, that in particular, he, he, Kapilovich was like, you know, trying to catch up with recruiting. If you have any of my recruits, give me a shout. Um, you know, 
this this hurts them. This hurts them to not be able to go to the schools. There's nobody in the schools. You know, they can't go make the connections with the high school coaches like they normally do. They can't just hit the road for uh, a, a day or two and hit five or six different high schools. I mean, it's just it's just a weird time to to be trying to recruit uh, if you're these guys. Yeah, like even – I mean, I know we're nowhere near them right now, but like – because I'm looking at it. You know, we have zero commits. Ohio State's getting – they already have 14 commits. And even Michigan, I think they got two other commits yesterday. So, I mean, although, yeah, we are – like you said, it's a tough – Difference. Time, Diff- there's yeah, no, there's there's commits. differences there too because there's stable programs with coaching staffs that have been intact for the most part. I mean, even though Ryan Day might only be in his second year, I mean, it's, it's a, there's a good continuum from – Urban Meyer's staff. There's a, you know, that's then that's that's a, a known commodity to guys, and that's a you know power programs like that operate at a different level. Um, I mean, that's ultimately where Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State had hoped to get, um, but sometimes the resources uh, aren't exactly the the best to to do that because well, you, you're you know you're, you're seeing the difference financially between what those programs have. And I think it's going to be interesting to see from a, from a financial standpoint, where exactly Michigan state is affected with losing the big 10 tournament, losing the NCAA tournament um, and the trickle down of of that, because you're not Ohio state, you're not Michigan with the, the hundred plus million dollar budgets that that they have. I mean, you're a little more, I don't want to say spendthrift, but um, you're a little more stretched when you sponsor as many sports as they do uh, per big 10 requirements. Um, you know, it, you know, I, I don't think they cut sports, but I mean, there's, there's going to be some belt tightening, uh, especially now I mean, there was, I think there was already belt tightening coming, but it'll be interesting to see just what this does. And then what happens next? I mean, what happens if the football season, uh, somehow gets canceled? I mean, that that's a home, yeah, that's, that's a home faster. schedule that was set up for that recruiting to, to you know, showcase Mel Tucker's program. Okay. This is how we're going to build. I think back to like 2007 and 2008 with D'Antonio's program. That's where, you know, those, those early games in his tenure are what built those classes that ultimately led to the success from 2010 on. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's certainly some, some challenges ahead, uh, both recruiting and, and every other piece. But, um, you know, I think that, one thing I've noticed about Tucker's staff and Tucker in particular is they're very active on social media. Uh, Tucker in particular, it's a, it's a night and day difference from D'Antonio. And, um, he's, he's engaging as much as he can right now. And I think ultimately that'll bode well for him and selling the vision of his program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, to that point, um, I mean, he's got to be right now, man. Like, we're just trying to get anyone we can get, it seems. But, um, no, I agree. I like how the coaches, like, they're on Twitter, all that recruiting. Um, like, you had the picture throwing shots at Michigan, all that kind of stuff. But the next thing I was going to ask in one of the last questions is, if we have a football season, what are what are your expectations in year one for Mel Tucker? Obviously, D'Antonio left us not in the greatest shape, but, there's still some pieces here. And, and yeah, I think there's more pieces than people think. I think the offensive side has some talent. I mean, you know, maybe not the depth. I think that that's, that's always going to be uh, an issue and concern is, is having that depth 
especially quality contributing depth. That's that's going to that Michigan State's best teams have had that contributing depth from veterans and from upperclassmen. And this is still going to be a relatively young team in a lot of places. I mean, you know, they, they didn't they, they didn't lose a lot of of, of I shouldn't say this. They they, they lost a lot of seniors. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know that they, they also don't have a lot of guys coming back, uh, especially on the defensive end with with a lot of playing experience. I mean that group on the defensive yeah. side, the the veterans that that are gone, the the Panashukes, the Raquan Williams, the Joe Bocci's, the Josiah Scotts. The, I mean those guys yeah. ate up a lot of reps over the last three seasons, and even you know a guy like Antoine Simmons is going to be critical. Um, but the depth be that behind them, uh, is, is going to be tested uh, because they didn't get a lot of reps and the offensive side, uh, you know, finding a new quarterback, figuring out, uh, for Kapilovich and, and Jay Johnson of, of how to get that run game going again to really spark the offense. Mm -hmm. That's going to be critical. Keeping guys healthy, keeping those offensive linemen healthy is going to be, uh, a pivotal thing because I think that's the big key there. If you if you're able to generate a run game, um, you know, and I thought Elijah Collins showed bursts, I, but you know he also isn't exactly the biggest of running backs. So I mean, you don't want him to get beat up. You want, you know, you 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 get Connor Hayward back. I think he can have a, a serviceable role as kind of a, an R.J. Shelton kind of guy. I think you flex him out. You use him in some run plays. Mm-hmm. Use him more in a passing game. Um, I think there are realistic expectations for this team. I think that you look to you look to where Mark D'Antonio took over the program. It was in a much, much, much worse position um, oh, yeah. you know, when John L. Smith left. And he took that team to a bowl game the first year. I think that's that's the minimum expectation. The minimum ex- and, and even D'Antonio said that about the pinstripe ball is like, this is our minimum expectation. When, I mean, remember that? I mean, it yeah. seems like a hundred, it's a hundred yeah, years ago now. I mean, it was, it was literally only four months ago, but how much has happened yeah. in the world and in Michigan state's world in the last four months, you know? Um, it's I mean, but, but that's the reality. I mean, the, the minimum expectation that D'Antonio has set and, and maybe people, maybe younger people don't realize how important it is, is, the minimum expectation is to get to a bowl game. Well, they didn't get to a bowl game, uh, but once under under uh, John L. Smith, and I don't, I think maybe once under Bobby Williams. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. uh, to to do that that consistently. I know there are more bowl games now, but it wasn't like you know the the the, the pinstripe bowls that Michigan State have been to are few and far between over the course of the last decade. I mean, they've they played in Florida, they played in the Rose Bowl, they played in Cotton Bowl twice. They played in, uh, you know, all, all these decent, outback, decent, yeah. yeah, the Outback Bowl. I mean, they played in, they played in, in Arizona at the, the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. That's the, that's, if that's the lowest bowl game you've gone to, historically, that's pretty good for Michigan State. So, yeah. you know, I think that's the baseline. The baseline is getting seven wins, six or seven wins, get to a bowl yeah. game um, and, and kind of go from there. Um you know what? What's the ceiling, though? Um, you know, it's hard to say. Hard to say when you don't have a spring practice and you don't have a quarterback. Um, yeah, you know, it's hard to say when you open your season against a Big Ten team. Uh, that's that's something new that's going to be challenging. Um, you know, I, I, I realistically, you've got all these guys on the defensive side to replace for a defensive coach. So 
you know, is that good or bad? Do you, do you want guys to have that fresh approach with talent? I mean, you know, are guys like Jesler Botang or, uh, you know, uh, I, boy, I, Michael Fletcher, for example, <laughs> um, Naquan Jones, are those guys going to take that next step to become – yeah, I mean, well, Henderson's the guy that started. You know, I mean, he, I mean, think yeah. about this. Xavier Henderson's going to be a veteran for this group. Yeah, that's I crazy. mean, that's that's the reality <laughs> of, of where it's at. It's going to be Henderson and, and Simmons, I think, are going to be your your two studs, you know, that, that people are talking about a lot um, and trying to go away from. Now, how are the other – nine guys going to react how, how are the guys how is Naquan Jones going to be in the middle as he takes more reps as he becomes a starter um can can a Deshaun Mallory or um you know the the uh yeah the, well yeah Jacob Panashuk I mean but uh the 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 Slade twins I mean how are they going to develop develop and grow I mean you know there's a lot of youth and I think I still think again there's there's talent this it's not like Antonio left the covered bear um you know it's just that people don't necessarily the people equate the talent level that he has with stars um that don't that don't understand yep. and know the program and the history of the recruits but I think that there is talent there um they're gonna need some reps especially on the defensive side the offensive side it's still a work in progress because it's been a work in progress really since 2014 2015. So yeah. I mean, in, this was this is maybe a case where, you know, you've gutted the whole staff on the offensive side. You've got an entirely new staff. Um, fresh voices can sometimes help with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, the last point I was going to make was even like a player that this year has to finally show his ability is like Kalon Gurman yeah. or someone like that. They need. Up yeah, really Gervin and Shakur Brown are two guys. What they do with Julian Barnett, is he going to be a cornerback or a receiver? Um, can he play both ways? Um, you know, that's that's a talented kid that needs to be on the field in some capacity, potentially many capacities, you know, whether it's special teams or defense, offense. Um, you know, the, those that's going to be a, a big question. I think a, a guy like Jalen Naylor has to show that he's healthy and, and that the speed is real and that he can – he can show physicality and without being brittle. Um, I think he's got game breaking ability, but you can't you can't change games from from the sideline and street clothes. You know, as you you got to yeah. be healthy there. You you know, guys like I think a guy that that I'm curious to see is is a guy that missed all last year is Trayvon Morgan. I mean, he's a six six wide receiver who yep. can go up and get the ball. When you have a new quarterback, mm-hmm. that helps. I mean. Mel Tucker uh, was in a teleconference yesterday, or excuse me, not Mel Tucker, but Jay Johnson and, and Scotty Hazleton. And, and Johnson called mm-hmm. the, the tight ends his MVP's position. That's that's big for a, when you have a quarterback change. When you have a new quarterback, they need to be reliant on their tight ends. That's you know that that helps them develop and build an established rhythm. Um, so mm-hmm. you know who's going to step up there? I mean, you know, Trenton Gillison finished the year strong. Uh, it sounds like Adam Berghorst is going to stick on the offensive side, which, you know, you got a, uh, an offensive guy that, that can, you know, a, a good hands, you know, he, he's got good hands from his baseball career. Same with Gillison. I mean, Gillison's another former baseball guy. I mean, but they need physical play at, from the tight ends as well. You don't just have to have, you know, Jimmy Graham clones running around. You got to have guys that can set the edge and, and really block and, and open things up in the run game that's been struggling. So, 
Uh, there's a, there's yeah. a lot there's a lot that we could have and sh- and hopefully would have found out over the course of the spring that's kind of just on hold, um, like everything else in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, we've covered basically everything now, but I appreciate you as always for joining me, Chris. And I'll send you the link and post it after that, so we can you know both share and absolutely. Get some feedback. Man. I'm glad I could do it again for you. Yep, for sure. All, All right, right we'll see you. Later, Chris. All right, be well.